Hey there, welcome to Season 2, Episode 1 of The Paula and Joe Show. Here's a quick rundown of what you need to know. It's 24 minutes of raw business analysis and change talk, time boxed, unedited, riffing. And when the countdown timer buzzes, we're done. I'm Joe Newbert, and as always, I'm joined by my good friend and co-host, Paula Bell. How's it, Paula? Please tell us what's up on this episode. Well, hello, hello. Well, today's topic is a great one. Today's topic is the three P's to deliver your optimal self. And those three P's are prioritization, productivity, and performance. Yeah. Given the season theme is optimal self, it sounds like a good place to start. I mean, after all, we're all striving to get things done, right? Trying to achieve as much as we can, as well as we can in the short time that we have. So who's joining us today, Paula, to kick things off? Well, today, Joe, we have Tamian Dysart out of the great state of South Dakota. Tamian is the co-founder and CEO of Think3D Solutions. And prior to launching Think3D in 2016, Tamian spent over 16 years in the financial industry and had a reputation for building and sustaining high-performing cultures and teams, driving engagement and performance up while reducing attrition and the negative impacts of poor organizational culture. So let's welcome Tammy and Dysart to our show today. Thank you, guys. Yeah, no, thanks for joining us on the pod, Tammy. And I'm excited to talk, you, talk with you about this uh, important topic. Yes, I am too. I'm excited too. This is this is the three P's. I, I like that. The three P's. And who better to talk about it than Tamian? So shall shall we just jump right in and, and kick this kick this uh, session off? So Tamian, I have a question for you. How can I be more productive at work and in life every day? What advice would you give me? Why I've heard, and many many of you may have heard this, but it's the five P's. It's uh, proper preparation prevents poor performance, right? So we're talking about the three P's, right? It's expanded to the five P's. Proper preparation prevents poor performance, and I think it really goes down to you know, uh, people often overlook what they get, can try to get done in a month, but you have not even twenty four hours because if you let's say you sleep six hours a day, you're really trying to narrow that down and control eighteen hours, right? And so of these next eighteen hours or whatever amount of time they're actually awake, how can you start to break that down into micro moments? One thing that I do that really helps me be productive, and so I sleep six hours a night, so I have uh, eighteen hours, which equates to thirty six thirty minute segments. When I break my day down into those thirty minute segments, I can create sprints. I can say, here's what I want to get down these next 30 minutes. Uh, I love the fact that you have the timer going there, Joe. I have my own 30-minute uh, timer right here uh, nice. that I use every 30 minutes. It's a reset because it's easy to kind of find yourself drifting off at a task. But every 30 minutes, I get up and I try to do something to give myself just a little bit of energy, whether that's a water chug, do it, stand up, uh, breathe, meditate, find some way to get refocused because if I can own those micro moments, it's the sprints of my day, those short bursts and sprints equate to a highly productive day. But all that goes back to proper preparation prevents poor performance. And so really, are you going into every day with intentionality 
in preparation to be great that day. So I, I think that's it right there. Intentionality and planning and preparation to be great every day. And the 30 minute spurts are great, especially for individuals who have a shortened attention span. It's, I believe all of us can do 30 something in 30 minutes and then maybe you shift to something else and that way it keeps the variety going and you're staying productive and you're seeing what you're doing in those 30 minutes. I love it. I, I love it. Be intentional and prepare. I love it. Great advice, Tamian. So of your 30 minute segments that you have, these, these sprints that you carve up, how many of them are, are sort of dedicated to work and how many are sort of dedicated to recharge or something else? Honestly, um, the recharging, I don't usually take 30 minute blocks uh, necessarily outside of my mornings. I have a, you know, I, I have what I call book ending my day. So I have, you know, if you, if you study out the most successful people on the planet, one of the commonalities you're going to find is they own the morning. They get up and they have the morning routine to set themselves up for success. And so we teach this thing called, you know, selflessness to selfishness. If you truly want to be selfless to give to the world, you have to be selfish enough to put yourself first. And so I put myself first. I get up early to do so to make sure I'm engaging in the world at 100 percent when a lot of people are kind of going off in the world at 70 percent. And so the, the balance between those things, you know, guys, um, most people have seen, again, it, it, one of the most famous uh, ideas around where do you put your priorities? Stephen Covey did the famous example of the rocks and the pebbles and the sand. And that's really an e equation of life. You know, when you when you know where you want to spend your time, where you want to ba balance things out. Because I, I don't like that word work-life balance. Uh, that suggests you have to take one from to give the other when the reality it's more of an integration. You know, again, when things are going good or bad at home, that equates back into the workplace. And similar when things are going good or bad in the workplace, it carries back over in home. And so the way I look at it is obviously that where's the priorities, right? So in those 30 minute blocks, you have meetings, 30 minutes, hour, hour and a half, whatever those things are. So those things make the priorities in your day. Um, but secondarily, then a lot of people will fill up the next segment of priority uh, in terms of, you know, projects to move forward. And those, those things are important for me. That's where I make sure I put those moments of, again, just standing up for 30 minutes or, or, or a few minutes within that 30 minute segment to make sure I'm refueling. Because, again, nobody goes home at the end of a workday at 100 um, percent. If you did, you didn't do anything all day. Uh, so in order for you to have, again, something left over, whether that's being at 70% versus 50% going home, that comes by way of, are you stopping to get those little microfuel moments in your day? So I plan those out based off of what my day looks like. If I'm meeting with somebody, if I'm uh, traveling somewhere for a meeting, I make sure I carve out, even if it's just five minutes, I have a whole bunch of five minute things that I can do, or even two minutes just to stop, pause, reset and re-engage in that next segment. So I call it, you know, Paula used the word intention. I call it segment intending. So again, am I going into this next segment, this next 30 minute sprint with intention? Okay, that's, that's really interesting actually. And um, no, I, get, I, I get that like small sprints because it does, it sort of helps you build up a momentum, right? And it helps you to keep going. But I sort of want to flip those segments around. So, so we, we can look at those individual 30 minutes. But if I take each of those over the year 
And, and we're talking about performance, right? Optimal performance. And, and what I'm beginning to think about is people like uh, Usain Bolt or people like Elliot Kipchoge. So 100 meter sprinters, marathon runners, that kind of stuff. They, they have off seasons, right? They, they can't keep that level of intensity going, you know, every day, 365 days a year. So do, do, do you sort of, do you have seasons within your year or particular points where sort of you work harder at projects or, or you change the type of work that you do so that you don't just run at 100 miles an hour? hundred percent. There's a couple of things that I do. You know, we, we often give this analogy that most people want a, um, you know, a job that, that refills them, right. Or, or, you know, a, not a fulfilling job, but you need a refilling job. You need to be able to engage in work that also feeds back into you. Why we, why we preach culture so much. Um, because again, your workplace environment truly matters on if it's draining you or it gives you something left over. And so, you know, we try to say, you know, if you can find, loving what you do or find you know the, the parts of your job that are, are exciting that help you in the moment that's tremendously helpful but you know uh the ancient philosophers plato socrates they knew what they were talking about even though we didn't have a day and age of you know social media and all the different things we're doing now but their advice of know thyself is so important know what you need for me i do uh an annual thinkation or now i'm kind of getting to this place of a semi-annual thinkation and that's just me getting away for three days by myself. Uh, a month ago, I was in Laguna, Laguna Beach, California, by myself, uh, going deep in my thoughts. This wasn't a vacation where I was just unwinding. I was spending time with how do I improve to the next level? Um, travel is my big, you know, unwind. So I work really hard. But then my goal this year, I'm going to leave the state of South Dakota uh 12 to 15 times this year. And so I can work hard 60 hours a week knowing that I'm going to have the moments to get away with the family or just those moments by myself. And so I really pack my entire 168 hours. I love the name of the podcast, right? The 168 hours. I try to pack that in with things that, that give me fuel throughout the week, knowing there's going to be things you don't want to do. So I really construct my life to have, if you can call it that balance, to have those things intentionally implanted to make my life successful. So, so you called it crafty life. I've uh, I've been reading a couple of books, and it's the same principle of designing your life, right? Like you, you actually have a choice. You know, sort of the work that you do, when you do it, and you perhaps have a little more freedom in in choice than you're led to believe, perhaps by employers and working inside organisations and things like that. And it's hard. It's hard to carve out that kind of life when you feel like there's this this pressure, this this steer that's been given to you by other people. So my question here would be, um, how do I choose the kind of work that I want to do, the kind of projects that I want to work on versus being allocated to the kind of projects that other people would like me to work on? Absolutely. I think step one, again, you're, you're spot on, Joe. Uh, so much of the world wants to absolve themselves. Well, I can't, right? I can't because of my boss. I can't because whatever. Well, what can you do, right? There's always something that you can do. We often say every day when you wake up, you have a chance and you have a choice, right? There's over 100,000 people that don't wake up every single day on this planet. So if your eyelids open, there's a chance. Now I have a choice. What kind of day do I want to have? 
And so when you engage into your day and you, you know, again, your energy, your effort, those type of things, that's going to start to change the environment around you because most people just want it to be handed to them or specifically what we're seeing with major workforce shift. People have to start to start, start where you are and, and carve out a path of what can I do? And that starts with contributing to the work culture because, you know, oftentimes, you know, if you don't have a healthy environment, that's going to add to the toxicity. Well, everybody, I don't care if you're a manager, boss, CEO, or just a, a frontline worker, you can help engage in the space of being a better communicator or being more positive, uh, having conversations with your peer groups around you. And so in terms of how do you engage in the work that you love to do, step number one, I would really challenge every single person to think about is what does success mean to you? Um, over 90% of people that I've asked this question to don't have their own personal custom definition of what success means to them. So by default, if you don't have your own custom definition of success, question number two, will you ever be successful? And the answer is no, you can't hit a destination that's not defined. And so start to really figure out what do you really want? Because the world chases that thing because they think it's going to make them happy only to get it and find out it wasn't. And then they, oh, that person on social media looks happy. So let me try that thing. The real secret of success, in my opinion, is found through self-discovery. And so taking that time to even to your previous question, take time to find out who you really are, what you really want to do. And even when you have constrictions within your job, even if it's 40 to 50 hours, you still have 168 hours in a week. So, again, let's say you sleep another you know, 50 hours, you still have time to do something. So there really isn't an excuse that you can't get involved, whether that's volunteering or whatever the case is, but if you're building your skill set to meet whatever circumstances are ahead of you, you can find a way to engage in work that you love if you're passionate enough about it. Yeah, that's very cool. I think is is as as you say, it's sort of just just realizing that when you wake up, you have a choice. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You have a chance and you have a choice. That's pretty amazing. So as you, you know, your first question is, what does success mean mean to you? And let's say individuals know what success means to them and they do have a plan from point A to point B. What are some smart performance targets that you can give advice like for people to set? Like if I came to you and said, Tamian, what smart performance targets can I set for myself? How would you go about answering that that question or at least providing me direction? Well, number one, follow through on it right we've all heard smart goals for decades and yet most people like if you ask them like show me how you're following through on smart measurable attainable etc etc like are you following through on that because the reality is yes baseline i heard this from uh td jakes he said you know you you can't do better if you don't know better but all of us know better than we do and so in this information age of information junkies, reading books, podcasts, all these different things, we want the next thing, the next thing, but are you putting into practice what you already know? And the best definition I've ever heard of success is the progressive realization of a worthy ideal or a predetermined goal. So if you spent the time really saying, here's what I really want and why I want it, um, are you making progressive steps towards that thing? Because again, Every day when you wake up, you can do something to inch that forward. We should never be able to have a week or a month go by where you haven't moved it forward. If you see progressive realization happening, 
that gives you confidence that I'm on the path towards success. And so smart goals and all those type of things really starts with, you know what you need to do, execute on it. And once you execute on that thing, that gives you confidence and gives you momentum. So many people don't give themselves a chance to build momentum towards the goals that they say they want or the things they're trying to achieve because I tried it. Well, people that are really successful, it's not a, uh, I'll see if it happens, it's an until thing. And so if it doesn't have your heart, it's not a real burning passion and desire, keep finding what that thing is that you're willing to, to, to jump through hoops and, and jump through walls to make it happen. So really all of us know way more than we're actually doing stop reading additional books and just execute on what she read last year and, and the things you already know. Yes, I, I agree. So the execution on the things that you know, would you also say that accountability plays a part in that as well? Not only being accountable to yourself, but maybe having other people hold you accountable to help you follow through and execute. Because a lot of times I hear from people, yeah, I have my goals and I know what I want to do is actually doing them and staying motivated throughout the days to do it. So what are your thoughts on the accountability of that follow through? As you Well, you know, it's life. I mean, if you don't well, we'd like to say, are you enough to hold yourself accountable? We like to say yes, but we know it's not true, right? Again, the, the, the baseline to that, how many times in your life have you lied to you? Or how many times have you let you down? Or how many times have you said tomorrow and, and been disappointed with yourself? Too many to count. And so what's one more time? And so at a subconscious, conscious or subconscious level, it's easy to do so. We will show up for other people because we gave them our word or because we know they're going to check in just because I don't want to let somebody else down. And so right, wrong or indifferent or why that is, let's lean into that. How can you find that accountability group? That is life. It's why personal coaching now is a multi-billion dollar industry because re people realize it's not about so much the next thing. It's who's going to help coach me to be the best version of myself. I need outside accountability, whether that's with a small group or coach, Whatever it is, if you want to be as successful as possible, you have to have outside accountability. So you're spot on, Paula, with that. Appreciate that. Appreciate that. I want to ask about, I mean, we, we, we have goals, right? And sometimes we can set lofty targets. I mean, we're ambitious, right? We've got aspirations. We, we really want to reach for the sky. So we talk about following through and obviously achieving that. And that that's our aim. And there's the one side of it where you said where we don't really participate, right? We sort of say we've got this goal, but we don't really try and work towards it. But what about the times when we are really trying to work towards it, but we're not quite reaching it and we start to get hard on ourselves, right? And and we talk about motivation. How, how do you keep your motivation up um, if you're sort of being hard on yourself about progress? Um as I say, I think I think it's perhaps something I suffer with sometimes in the fact that I really have these great ambitions. I perhaps bite off more than I can chew. And then when it go, doesn't come about, I can get fairly disappointed with things. Really, it's for me, it's um, mile markers and wins. You know, we live in a society where for most people, if you ask them, you know, what wins did you have this last week? Most people really struggle with that wins this last week. And we have what we call the Super Bowl Society, where we only often want to celebrate the Super Bowl or in, in our day to day lives, the promotion or the big thing. When we're, what were your wins today? We have wins every single day. And if we're not recognizing those things and again, some people say, well, it's just a small win. 
I don't believe in small wins. A win is, is momentum. Now, there's big wins, 100%. But any win that you had, if you read the book that you were supposed to or followed through on something that you said you were going to do, that's a win. Wins pile up on as in terms of momentum. And so think about the last long car ride you took. Um, you know, here in South Dakota, across the states, about five, six hours. It's a very flat state, so it's not a lot to look at. And I would say it's much more manageable because you have the mile markers. You know, again, I moved to the mile. I moved into the mile. And so often when you have these big, ambitious goals, if you don't have those mile markers to show, yes, I'm not at the destination yet, but I know I'm 30 miles past where I was. And so you have to have the mile markers. And when you track that, again, now when you want to get hard on yourself, you know, at the end of each day for me, I write my version of journaling is writing five things that I'm grateful for or things that happen in life. And so I now have this evidence. So when I have that little doubt in my head, I entertain it. I said, OK, let's let's go into the court of law. Bring your evidence with you. I bring my evidence. I have all these records of all my momentum, all the things that I am doing. I'm like, now you have to go sit in the corner. All that that devil on your shoulder, if you would, because though I'm not where I want to be. And that's often we get focused on that. I have clear and present evidence is showing that I am so much further than I wanted to be. Tweaks along the way, 100%. But I make progress every single day, every single week, because I track my days and I track how I'm, I'm moving along the, the journey. Yeah, I like I like that. Uh, and what you're reminding me of here is, is I mean, you talked just now about saying, you know, you, you're going to set your destination. And, and the theory is that that place that you're going to get to is going to bring that level of happiness that you're seeking, right? But the point is to enjoy the journey along the way, isn't it? And not to be unhappy to that point that you think you're going to be happy, which invariably you won't find happiness anyway, because you've shifted something else out by that time. So it's about, yeah, as you say, if you can just be grateful for a couple of things a day, then you're enjoying your trip towards this end goal, aren't you? Yes. I, my first vacation that I took about a year ago was in Mexico by myself. And I heard it was thought that it said, there is no way to happiness. Happiness is the way. And there's so much wisdom in that of, of again, if you can't be happy along the way, because we've always been there, like where you went on, you finally got to the vacation, you got to the place and it wasn't, it only lasts so long. But when you can learn, like, again, when you're anticipating the vacation along the way of, of buying that bathing suit or buying the new clothes for the thing, enjoying the journey all along the way, because a quality life is really what we're all after. And a quality life is really made up of lots of happy moments and, and you know, happiness and the things that, you know, are fulfilling in life. And so the more and more you can identify what those things are for you, and then construct your days, your weeks, and plan for more of those things, that's the basis of a great and happy life. Yeah, that's very cool, very cool. So, Tamian, you mentioned a couple of times how you go away and you do your thinkation, or you take some time away for either yourself or your family. And so I'm interested, once you figured out that time where you were gonna do your thinkation, what do you do to protect that space so that you can focus better and really optimize that time that you set aside to think like you stated? Well, obviously, when I have days, I go in with a plan. So it's not just, you know, willy nilly. Like I always I have way more I'm trying to think through or get done than I actually do. So having a plan for that. 
Uh, and I think the, to even to the point of like, how do you protect it even coming back to the day to day practices? Uh, it's only been about a year, year and a half that I really got into meditation um, it, in this busyness of all these things happening in our world. We have to create that space to be able to quiet all the noise. The average individual has 60,000 thoughts a day. And so if you don't learn to get away from all the white noise and clear the space to think, um, you're going to run in one day to the next week to the next. And then all of a sudden your whole year. And if you ask most individuals, how was their year? It all gets lumped together versus just getting into that, that, that state of mindfulness in the moment. One easy tip for people that are in corporate America, if you would, that I found to be very successful is rather than having 30 minute meetings and one hour meetings, shrink it down to 25 minute and 50 minute meetings. When you do that, you still get all the same things done in that time, but also now you've created five minutes, 10 minutes where you can have some of that white noise and in, in, in time to really think through these things. There we go. Did you, did the buzzer, the buzzer came in, uh, 24 minutes are up. It's amazing how quickly it flies. Actually, it's been such an enjoyable question. As you said, we had some questions that we sort of threw over the fence to you before this started, and I, and I don't think we've even covered all of them. Um, as I find with most episodes, you know, you, you could probably spend about 24 minutes on each question. But um, I just want to thank you for joining us on the pod, uh, Tamian. It really has been a, a, a mind-opening conversation. And in case we do want to find out more, do you have any resources, any places we can go perhaps to, uh, to, to get more insight on sort of productivity, prioritization and performance? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, first couple of things, you could follow us on social media, Facebook, LinkedIn. Uh, but our website is letsthink3d.com. Again, we have uh, resources out there. Again, not just motivational videos because motivation is temporary, but giving people real tools and real um mindfulness on little, little small nuggets they can plant into their lives to improve okay now that's great that's great anything you want to add paula before uh, i sign off here not at all thank you tamian it was a wonderful conversation you gave me a lot of nuggets to think about and things that i think i'm going to start trying to implement uh today that i think will be great so i appreciate you bringing your knowledge and your wisdom on those three p's yeah, no. Yeah, so thank you guys for having me. It's been a great conversation. Yeah, no, definitely, definitely starting today. Thank you, Tamian. And thank you for tuning in. We appreciate your support. You can subscribe to the Paula and Joe Show on your pod player of choice, be it iTunes, Amazon Music, Spotify, YouTube, and more. If you enjoyed the show, then please help pass the pod by leaving a five-star rating. You can also follow us on 168FM over on LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And of course, you can keep the riff going by leaving your comments over on the blog at 168.FM. That's the words one, six and eight, not the numbers. We'd love to hear your take on getting things done. Tamian, Paula and I will join you there. Until then, take care and keep growing.